1: Welcome never changed. me and my son of it the to roll the sports comedy podcast that passed concussion protocol even though we willingly watched broncos colts I'm your host, Adam but You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, hanging out with Nathaniel Hackett's time management coach and distracting him whenever we see a shiny pen or a cool bug, and on ABC's Matt Simple Rules for dating my teenage daughter. Big show today. Comedian and Seattle superfan Drew Johnston is here to talk about the Mariners' playoff comeback and what's next. But first, let's take a quick trip through the headlines. The New York Giants shocked Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers in London, serving Rodgers a hot steaming cup of What happened. Rodgers' last second Hail Mary was stopped by the Giants' pass rush, or at least that's what they want you to think. (laughs) Did I just blow your mind? The Giants' upset win pushes them to four and one, and Brian Dable firmly into the conversation for coach most likely to eat a hot pepper for fun. Rodgers was apparently not happy with the discussions in the Packers locker room after Sunday's loss. Man, after being distressed by locker room talk, there's no way he'll vote for Trump again anyway. Kenny Pickett and the Steelers were destroyed by the Bills in Buffalo, and Mike Tomlin might be on the hot, you're fired. Tomlin has famously never coached a below 500 Steelers team, a streak that could continue on a technicality due to low levels of teamwork. (laughs) This ain't a below 500 team, your honor. It's simply a bunch of guys. Carson Wentz threw a game-losing pick at the goal line as the Titans topped the Commanders. Well, guess there's a first time for everything. Wentz blamed the pick on Jesus Christ turning the game off to go to the bathroom. Dolphins QB Teddy Bridgewater was sent into concussion protocol on Sunday against the Jets. And to make matters worse, the league's new spotter also noticed a potential concussion for Tua Tagovailoa last week. Guys, come over here, you gotta see this. The Patriots shut out the Lions, which is one of those famous hard knocks we've heard so much about. The Lions knew Bat Patricia's entire offensive game plan, but then made the fatal mistake of using it. The Browns lost to the Chargers after Jacoby Brissett threw a late pick in the end zone, and man, what is with all this bad karma for Cleveland and the Browns? Did did something happen? It's, it's got to be some kind of root cause of this stuff. Hmm. Hmm. Oh. Oh, I see. But he's not going to be available for it. Oh, he is. Yeah, but the fans aren't like wearing jerseys that say, "Mm." oh, they are. Got it. Yeah, that's it. Worst of luck. Tom Brady's Buccaneers beat the Falcons on the strength of one of the worst roughing the passer calls you've ever seen and one of the 900 worst roughing the passer calls you've ever seen on Tom Brady. I did break down the tape though and the issue was the defender went after Brady's body and used his hands, arms, and muscles to pull him to the ground instead of allowing him to stay upright easy call to make. You'll see it every week in one specific game. The Cowboys defense swarmed the Rams, meaning Dallas has now beaten both of last year's Super Bowl participants with their backup quarterback. Smile Jerry Jones. Oh no, a quarterback controversy? Oh, I hate that very much. Ooh, that I definitely hate. Ain't nobody talk about that at all. Ooh, and y'all never guess who I saw stepping out on the town with a woman who wasn't his wife. His name rhymes with Troy Aikman. Ooh, don't let that get out. I'd hate that drama. The Eagles remain the NFL's last unbeaten team, defeating the Arizona Cardinals, which gives them four NFL wins and a Triple-A win. And the Panthers fired head coach Matt Rule Monday with 40 million dollars left on his contract. Rule will use that money to finance his feature film, three billboards outside Baker Mayfield's house. It's a documentary and It's unclear if it's going to end up being a true crime. The New York Yankees kicked our oldest Chapman off their playoff roster for bad behavior. See, the Yankees asked him to report to practice Friday, and this is actually crazy, but Chapman apparently got suspended for domestic violence seven years ago. So glad they took action now. The San Diego Padres eliminated the Mets, even though New York checked Padres Game 3 starter Joe Musgrove for a foreign substance by rubbing his ear. The umps cleared Musgrove even though they were stuck to his ear for the rest of the game. The Seattle Mariners swept the Toronto Blue Jays out of the playoffs after the Jays blew an 8-1 lead in Game 2 on their home turf. Last year was the trailer, this year was the movie. And the movie was Geely. The Blue Jays became the first Toronto team to blow a lead this large since all of them. Like every Drake album, Toronto sports is just the same song over and over again pausing midway through for an introspective monologue about why we even got into the game in the first place. For more on the Mariners, I sat down with comedian and lifelong Seattle fan, Drew Johnston from the UCB Theater in New York and the Chris Gethard Show. Let's go M. Drew Johnson, thanks so much for joining me on Mariner's Celebration Week. Uh, do you wish there were an all-new Macklemore song to celebrate this moment, though?
2: Oh, Adam, no. My oh my is all you ever need. That I'll tell you that. I'm I I'm, I'm not a kidding. That night, we went out to get dinner, my wife and I, and I uh, had control of the radio, and I put on My oh my by Macklemore. <laughs> and I'll tell you, Macklemore featuring Dave Niehaus is exactly the way that I wanted to ring in this celebration. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's
1: weird they only collaborated once because you it seemed like a fruitful collaboration.
2: You think? Yeah. I also it's the only time that I ever let everyone know that it, that he's a Grammy Award winner. <laughs> like <laughs> these are the moments where I say he was a Grammy Award winner, and then other than that, I usually forget he exists.
1: Yeah, of course. It's, it's been a while, uh, and it's been a while since the Mariners have advanced around in the postseason or joined the postseason. And we're of course speaking after uh, Game Two of the newly minted a wildcard series they win game one sort of easily in toronto uh they're mm-hmm. getting blown out in game two and then all of a sudden uh just happen to mount the uh tied with the 2008 red sox for the second biggest comeback in playoff history and playoff history is extremely long uh, yeah. so we're talking about an all-time game where where did you watch this game and what were the nerves like A, just watching a Mariners playoff game after so long, and then B, watching a game with, you know, literally a deficit that was nearly impossible to do in Vision coming back from.
2: You know, this is why I would be a terrible baseball manager. I mean, I was texting with my best friend, Jason, who, you know, we we grew up together. We used to go to Mariners games together. uh, And, like, I was texting with him that we might as well just, you know, leave Ray in there the entire time and just let him completely like, let us just get blown out. Cause got to save all our pitching for game three. Like I was giving up when we were three, de- three, zero. So I was like, well, and then all of a sudden when we started coming back, I was like, Oh, I was wrong. I was so wrong. I thought I was being so smart thinking ahead. And then all of a sudden it's like, it's, it was incredible. I mean, I, I was, so I was watching it at my home in Los Angeles um, just by myself. My wife was out. So I was just sitting by myself folding laundry while watching this game Um it was uh, absolutely mind blowing i mean i i fully was convinced we we were going to lose it and i mean like you know jason even when we were texting he even said basically after the game one win when it was so easy i guess he told his wife that he got nervous right then cuz i think that's just the state of being a mariners fan is you never know you, you you don't expect good things i guess and so like i when we were down you know 8-1 i was there's no way we were coming back from that i, I figured this was like this and maybe I get the the Packers Seahawks um, uh, championship game from twenty fifteen or twenty yeah twenty fifteen or twenty fourteen. Mm-hmm. Um, those two games are ones that my heart rate will never be the same. I mean, it, it felt like I had just eaten an entire bowl of candy and just needed a beer to calm down, but the beer did nothing because, like, it was just <laughs> sitting in my gut. It was just carbs. There was no. There was no downer effect that usually comes with an alcohol. <laughs> like That's kind of how much how amped I was the entire time.
1: Was there a moment when you felt like, you know, I mean, it's, it's tough to pinpoint because even successful fandoms usually aren't that confident, like Boston aside, like it, it's just like in a fan's nature to be like, this feels good, but it could mm-hmm. be bad soon. Was there a moment in the game when you felt like it might actually happen or not until the final out was recorded?
2: Yeah, you know, I really, I thought that, uh, we might, okay. So earlier this season, I lived down in Los Angeles earlier this season, we went down to see a Mariners angels game that ended in a kind of a very similar way to this where it wasn't, we weren't ever down eight one. I mean, it was like kind of one, one or two, one the entire time. And then just chaos erupted. And it's just like that thing of chaos ball. And like, You know, when when J.P. Crawford came up to bat and there is that I mean, I I really hope Springer's okay. But with that Mm -hmm. that play, with the the pop up and the and the collision, it just felt like the end of that Angels game that we watched where I don't know if you remember this game, but it was there were like errors at home plate. They were just throwing the (laughs) ball to absolutely no one for some reason. And all of a sudden we were winning by a lot. And I was like, well, that's crazy. We won somehow. And that level of chaos kind of just like fueled itself throughout this entire game. I started believing maybe in the seventh inning. I, I don't think it was even when we were down like nine five, nine six. I I did not believe that mm-hmm. we were going to come back. And then, I mean, the second it was nine nine, I was like, now there's no way we're turning back. But I I truly did think, just with Mariners fandom injected into my veins, I truly did think that even at that until that last out, they were somehow when they got a guy on bag, I was like, oh. They're going to get a home run. They're going to win. And then we just exhausted our bullpen. And now we're just going to be, uh, I won't swear, but screwed for the next day. <laughs> like we, we are just going to be completely screwed. But we played one hell of a game and that's great. But I, you know, I wasn't fully happy until the end of the game, but I did have belief maybe in the seventh with JP's uh, or that was the eighth with with JP's um, pop-up uh, pop-up error. I mean, that that was the most incredible thing I've seen.
1: Yeah. And you went in that inning from which I feel like happened a couple of times in this game from like rally starting rally cresting two quick outs and then like a two out, you know, huge run scoring play. Um, Yeah. And so I do feel like that whenever you get that, whenever you get like the build up, the air let out of the balloon and then the secondary release, it's like it's weirdly so much easier to believe.
2: You know, I had a thing too, and this is, this is something that I'm not used to. My wife is a Royals fan. So I kind of thought she came home for the last inning. She, she got home and I was still wearing my rally cap. I was still wearing my baseball cap, you know, inside out, which I've never had to do before because the Mariners (laughs) were never in a situation of a rally, but you know, she's a Royals fan. So that was like the entire world series for her when it was like up against the Mets in 2015. Mm -hmm. And like, she came home and I still had my hat inside out and we were tied and i kind of asked her like what is the protocol am i supposed to keep my hat inside out or now that we're like tied or is it a rally anymore like if the blue jays fans are also wearing rally caps what do i have to do to not mess up this juju and so i didn't know what to do it was like i the unspoken rules of rally caps i had no idea what i was supposed to do i kept it inside out the whole time so i guess that was just what i had to do but yeah
1: yeah, I think the unspoken rule is just don't change whatever the thing that is working is like. And sometimes it look, I've balled up pieces of paper and held them for eight innings of baseball. Like yeah. I've done things I'm not proud of. Um, what what do you make of the rally shoe? Uh, the guy with the shoe on his head or, or whatnot? I, oh, I feel like we're we're living in the time where it's still pure and good. That that guy donated his shoe to the Mariners Hall of Fame, and so right. I, we're still having fun, but like, it, can you see that being a shirt by the time the ALDS gets to Seattle?
2: I don't know if the rally shoe is going to be the biggest thing in the world. <laughs> at at point, point. Yeah, I, might done. I might be done with the shoe, but hey, more power to it, man. I mean, look, if you got a head flat enough to have a shoe on your head, man, go for it. You got to go. <laughs> mine mine is too round. It'll just fall the hell off. Yeah, so that's the
1: really. thing I've never considered doing, but it's nice to hear that somebody came up with that. Yeah, some uh, people
2: just are built for it. Some <laughs> people are built for it. Some people are not. Some people don't have heads built for shoes. And we just got to embrace <laughs> that fact about ourselves.
1: It can't have been the first time he tried that um what what did uh backtracking just a little bit obviously it's it's crazy that we're talking about this and it's crazy that we're talking about one of the all-time playoff individual playoff game victories because it was just about a week and a half ago that this team was struggling a little bit after having this big September lead and they Mm -hmm. were you know fit to break the playoff drought for like three four weeks but then it was kind of slow and materializing but that was supposed to be sort of the big moment of 2022, breaking the playoff drought before we ever got to this point. Um, what did that mean to you? And, and you know, have you sort of still carried that energy into the run itself?
2: You know, what I've really carried into is just how much I love Big Dumper. I mean, that Cal Raleigh is my I next mean, question on the
1: sheet. By the he's way, He's incredible.
2: <laughs> I mean, I am, you know, I'm a guy who, you know, back in 90, in the 90s, I was a big Dan Wilson fan. Like, I just loved the catchers of the Mariners. And now that tradition just continues. Like there is a little bit of me, you know, like I'm trying to figure out which Jersey I want to get from this team. Um, I probably won't until after the series is over, just because I feel like they're doing well without me having a Jersey, like that same thing of just stay, I'll just keep wearing my, my vaguely blue or yellow or uh aqua uh shirts instead of wearing any kind of Jersey and keep my hat on. But, you know, I, I would say that moment was just like solidified my love of the, of big dumper and like Cal Raleigh and like, Just what a dream hit! I mean, that was incredible. I will say, I mean, I was I was up in Seattle just before we clinched it, uh, Mm -hmm. visiting my parents, and like, you know, my dad was so excited that it might be over soon, and he was so excited. And there was part of me when we started losing a bunch, and I kind of started seeing the Orioles kind of, you know, peaking their way back up. There was part of me that was like, I don't want to, I don't want to get into the playoffs and get knocked out immediately. Like that doesn't feel like it would be breaking the like breaking the 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 playoff drought um but if we were yeah and so there's part of me that was kind of hoping that if we just were going to get eliminated immediately we didn't get it just to keep that record of longest playoff drought just Mm because at least we have a record um but like then after that toronto game i mean that was the most incredible game i've ever seen and now it really does feel like we truly are in the playoffs like i'm having honestly a hard time even wrapping my head around the new playoff schedule because this is, you know, the first year with a three game, uh, the three game play in and all that stuff. And, Mm -hmm. and uh, now it really feels like we're in real traditional baseball playoffs. And like, I know that now moving forward, it'll always be the playoffs, but like, it really does feel when you're in the final four, it feels like we really did break the drought in a really good way and really an impressive way. And now this team is just going to be cemented as one of the highlights of my life. Like just an incredible team.
1: Speaking of Big Dumper, uh I did you see the video of the kids in the classroom chanting Big Dumper as he hit his no. uh, game one homer? Uh okay, well I'll send it to you as soon as we we get off. Um but it yeah, it's extremely necessary viewing and it just feels like the nickname Big Dumper has gone so mainstream uh in a in like a time when people are more careful than ever with like the things they say and the nicknames, how are we, how are we here? Like, how is that, how's that happening?
2: It's somehow, it's so childish that it somehow comes around. It's like, it does feel like a five-year-old naming someone with a big butt, (laughs) big dumper being like, and like, even when they ask him like, why big dumper? No one's ever like, trying to like be like you know no one's ever trying to talk around it and saying like yeah. well you know he dumps the ball off it's like no look at his butt like that's just how they respond and so like it feels so childish and playful and exactly kind of what i like about baseball in a way yeah and like i don't know man he's just he he's just this like great like i mean just he, every time he puts on that darth vader uh helmet the darth vader uh home run helmet i'm like It just looks like it fits him perfectly. It's like crazy that that's what he's wearing. Like, it feels the same level of childhood enthusiasm as Big Dumper. And, you know, even I was like, I think it was like the NPR, like an NPR politics podcast or something. I don't even remember what it was, but someone started mentioning him and they're like, I don't know if we're allowed to say his nickname. And then they said it and they were like, yeah, I think you're allowed to say that on the radio. And it's like, yeah, you can say that on the radio. Like, none of these words are bad. It just feels like a five-year-old coming up with their first insult. Like, that's kind of what it is. Why don't we not just embrace it? That feels like the most baseball thing in the world.
1: Yeah. And we're very lucky to be living in this time because there's no way he's the first catcher with a huge ass. So, like, we're very lucky that we landed here now.
2: Yeah. I mean, this is, this is the perfect time for big dumper, big dumper renaissance. This is when big dumper is going to make a big break. This is it. This is the big dumper era.
1: You mentioned uh, the, you know, that crazy Packers Seahawks onside kick game, you know, dropped. I mean, that, that was one of the most incredible football games I've ever seen. Um, We're also living in a time now where Russell Wilson is, is out of Seattle and there's sort of, this strange vindictive like it feels like there are two camps of like vindictive anti-russell wilson people still supportive russell wilson people um what sort of the energy that you have in that situation are you more thankful mad at him Freud? like what do you have time for in the russell wilson seahawks thing
2: you know here i'm not i'm not mad at russell for going off and getting and getting his getting his payday. and, like it seems like fleecing the Broncos for yes. a lot of money that he that probably right. should not be getting. But I'm so happy that we got that we 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 sold him when we did. Honestly, I'm very thankful for the years he had in Seattle. But what I will say, man, is, I don't know if you've ever felt like this, but you know, when I saw the news that we were trading him, I was so bummed out and I was kind of like, maybe it's time to move on. And then I saw the news and I got so bummed out. And I was just like, no, no. And then by the next day, I saw him posting something about let's ride or Broncos country. And within a day, it felt like a weight had been lifted. Like it Mm -hmm. felt like I had gotten out of not an abusive relationship, but like an emotionally manipulative relationship where all of a sudden you're like, no, this can't be changing. Like, why are you, why are you leaving me? And then within an hour, it feels like a weight has been lifted and you're like, wait, that was bad for me. (laughs) And like, I'll tell you this, watching Seahawks games now, even though we're losing a little bit more, I mean, I love Gino, our offense looks kind of great with Gino, but like, I I do not have those same incredible like almost heart attack feeling like watching those games where you're like, anything could happen. You never know. It just feels like it feels painful sometimes to watch. And I'm kind of relieved. I don't have that anymore, but like, I'm very, I'm very glad. I'm honestly very glad he's gone. And I, I, I find like every single one of his posts just so cringy. And I'm kind of like, Oh, it feels like when you see your ex with someone else and you're like, Oh my god why did i ever love this like i can't believe i was ever i ever defended this um so yeah i, I what i always say is like i will never like i would i would boo russell if he if i was in that stadium you know like i would i would boo him um just cuz you know i'm a, a diehard seahawks guy yeah. but i would always cheer on bobby wagner cuz i feel like bobby wagner got the 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 shit into the stick if I can say that sorry for swearing
1: but no uh swearing is 100 percent I think I opened the door on on big dumper's ass but we as far as you want to go yeah totally yeah well I feel like
2: Bobby Wagner got the shit into the stick and I love Bobby Wagner till the day I die so like I will support him forever and look if Russell Wilson wants to retire as Seahawk that's fine but for now go go do what you need to do and let us just have our own glory right now
1: yeah I think many people are are maybe gonna look back on this Broncos era and think he did retire as a Seahawk so I think you're probably there. Uh, bizarre.
2: He's going to retire with just, he's just going to be somehow retire with all the Broncos money, even though he hasn't played. I mean, that's kind of what's going to happen.
1: They're in primetime every week, too, so it's impossible to forget uh, for whatever reason. They're in primetime again next week after this comes out, which is great for uh, everybody else. Um, But that era of Seahawks football, And obviously you have a a deep abiding love for that team. You're still watching the Gino games and and all that. Um, Did your Mariners fandom wane at all during the Seahawks sort of rise into the mainstream or did it sort of maintain, you know, all alongside?
2: No, it definitely did. It definitely waned. And I, it's a mixture of, I was living in New York at the time. So mm-hmm. like living in New York and be in rooting for a West coast baseball team is a lot harder than rooting for a West coast football team. Cause yes. when you're in New York, you're football's only one day a week. You can like figure out a time to watch it. And it's never going to be, it's never going to start at 10 30 PM. Like that's the one thing like, and when you're in New York, you know, I had a 10 30 PM show, uh, every Saturday for a long time at the UCB theater and we would finish, we'd go to the bar, we'd get there at like 12.30 and the game would still be going on. And I was like, I am a man in my thirties. I can't stay up this late every time just to watch a team that's not going to make the playoffs. So like, it was hard to keep track of them, honestly, mm-hmm. when I was in New York. And now that I'm back on the West Coast, it's a lot easier. It also helps that they're, they're so lovable right now and Julio's just so incredible. But like, you know, it was. I think it was maybe three years ago, and we had like D Gordon, and like I was, I was getting really into that team. And I remember we wore like a throw, a throw forward, uh, uniform that was like a travesty of, of colors and and no sleeves. It was the weirdest uniform I've ever seen. And I remember watching that and being like, okay, I guess I can still root for this weird as hell team. <laughs> but like, uh, it wasn't until moving back to the West that it was kind of like, oh, this is so much easier. Like, it's hard. No one talks a lot about. I mean, people don't talk enough about how hard it is to be even a baseball fan at all on the East coast, because mm-hmm. like, I remember watching those Astros uh, Dodgers series like five years ago. And like those, I mean, they were just hitting home run after home run. Those games were regularly going to like one thirty two in the morning. Yeah. It's like, how is anyone supposed to go to work the next day? Like, this is insane. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it was just hard. And, uh, but now being on the West coast, it's a lot easier. Um, the only problem is they baseball needs to find a way to let you watch all your your team games. I know that they have the MLB, um, like league pass. I don't even know the name of it. All access, MLB all access, but whatever it is, they every time we play the Angels, we're not allowed to watch it. So I'm like, yeah. I don't know how the hell to watch it sometimes some of these games. But you know, I guess you just gotta drive down to the Angel Stadiums to watch it. Yeah, you yeah you watch on the computer. It, it there's nothing worse than that. And
1: there are. I I could be wrong, but I believe there are like people in Iowa who are blacked out from basically every possible team they could be a fan of in that region because there's no team in the state. So it's like no Cubs, no White Sox, no Reds, no Cardinals, like best of luck to you. So
2: it's yeah, it's terrible. My mother-in-law is lives in Kansas City and, you know, is a huge Royals fan. But for some reason, she's on, I think, YouTube TV. And for some reason, they keep saying she's in the St. Louis market. And so they're only showing her Cardinals games, Mm -hmm. which she hates. And so she's like, I don't know how to stop this. Like I have no way way of getting out of this. It's like hard. It's like finding that navigating that cutting the cord right now to watch sports is like really tough, but
1: yeah. Yeah. Um, You, uh, I I also have to mention that you tweeted an incredible story after uh, Saturday's game about, uh, just a mob of children attacking the Mariner moose, um, yeah. and I want to uh, obviously look back on that, but also look back on that era of like the Kingdom Mariners and that like first Mariners playoff team that really like uh, you know captured the city's attention and and many would say saved the franchise potentially. Um, yeah. Do you have any other great Kingdom memories from your childhood that sort of
2: stand out? Well, so the. You know, I remember there was that one. I have a few Kingdom memories, and then also, I guess it's T-Mobile Park now. I keep th- I keep calling it Safeco because that's Me what too. it was when we I, first. I think had I it.
1: forgot it was T-Mobile until you said that right now.
2: Yeah, I, I honestly forgot until I started watching it. Everyone's like, "Where I here a t T-Mobile Park," I'm like, "Where the hell is T-Mobile Park?" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh, that's the one I've I've been to many times." Um, no, the Kingdom. I, I you know I remember that that game in particular. there's one, one. Uh, so when we were in seventh grade, we did a math, we had to do this math project. Right. And um, I, this is what I tweeted about. And essentially the, the cliff notes version of it is, is at the end of the math project, we had to keep track of just like baseball players for two months, get their averages, their ERAs and calculate that. And then we had a big class field trip where we got to go to the kingdom to watch a game. And we were playing the Orioles and like, it was like over a hundred seventh graders. We were so excited. And also we found out that we would get extra credit on this project if we could touch the Mariner moose. And then at one point the Mariner moose came into our section and all of us started freaking out. We were in the outfield. The moose doesn't come to the outfield. And we all stood up like a bunch of rabid little, like coked up like 12 year olds. Cause we literally were just drinking 32 ounces of Coke and screaming and we weren't in class and we just mauled this moose like we're just jumping on it almost like and like he was just like trying to us. And security had to come and like like just like throw 12 year olds out of the way to get this moose to safety as this moose was just constantly te- petrified as we were just screaming touch the moose touch the moose and like pawing at him with our grubby little children's hands um but that same trip honestly was one of my favorites with jason and i uh were there before like we we got because it was also a field trip we got to the ballpark an hour and a half before the game started so we just had an mm-hmm. hour and a half just to hang out in the kingdom uh thankfully we didn't get hit by any ceiling tiles that fell but like we were sitting there in the outfield and i remember joe carter was on the uh, the orioles at the time and he was in the outfield warming up and throwing the ball around and jason and me and i think a few of our friends we thought it would be so fun just to keep calling him Mo Slarder and we just kept like this is the most 12-year-old thing in the world but we were just on the front of the the outfield like wall and just screaming Mo Mo Slarder Mo Mo and he got so mad at us that he chucked the ball at our heads <laughs> so that happened was very proud of that um you know one of the other ones was uh, this is this is the other thing about being a Mariners fan is for a long time, being a Mariners fan meant you never won. And what that often meant was that there were a lot of people in Seattle um, who adopted teams that won. So there are a lot of Yankee fans in Seattle, yeah. which you're a Yankee fan, right? I am that. Yeah. yeah. Look, good for you. If you're from New York or Connecticut or or Jersey, I can't fault you, but like yeah. – all the all the Yankee fans that I grew up with were Yankee fans because they just wanted to root for someone who won. Like I guarantee you, at the time in the '90s, they didn't care about the Seahawks. They liked the Cowboys. They didn't like the Mariners. They liked the Yankees. They they didn't like the Sonics. They liked the Lakers. Um, and I don't think they knew about hockey. At least I didn't when I was a kid. Yeah. But like, but so basically, there would you would often go whenever we'd play the merit or the Yankees. You'd see a lot of people there with Yankee jerseys on that were just there. And we we're like, these people are not from New York. They're just sitting. Yeah. Cause this was also before Amazon. So this was like in the Microsoft boom. So it was like maybe a few of them from New York, but like the city itself hadn't turned into Amazon like headquarters yet. So like, I remember it was like late 20, the odds, the late, late, like 2008, 2009, I was back in the city for a bachelor party for one of my high school friends. And we went to a, uh, a Mariners Yankees game. And, um, we were behind these two Yankee fans that were wearing Joba Chamberlain jerseys mm-hmm. and we were just getting drunk. Cause we were, you know, we were asshole 23 year olds and yeah. like, we were getting drunk and we started asking if they were the real Joba. We were just like, is that, are you the real Joba Chamberlain? <laughs> we just kept screaming at them. Oh my God, guys, let's get a picture with Joba. Like we just kept screaming this at them yeah, and we got told that we weren't allowed to heckle other, other people in the stands or we would be escorted out. It's like the only ballpark where we're not allowed <laughs> to jeer the other team. It was like crazy. And it was kind of just because the Mariners didn't really have anything at the time. It was like, I think that night was also like, it was supposed to be the night that we retired Griffey's number, but Griffey had decided to retire like two weeks before anyway. So they're just <laughs> still like, well, it's still his retirement night. So we're just giving out like Griffey gear, even though he's not playing with the team anymore. And like, we were, anyway, it was this, like, this kind of just insane thing of being a Seattle fan where it was like, we have to be nice because we're not going to be good. So we just have to be, (laughs) just settle down and just be nice to everyone, please. Like, it was just this, like, absolute insane, uh, situation. Uh, yeah. Anyway, I, I've got a lot of great memories of that place. I remember when they opened up Safeco Field and instead of hot dogs, you could get like bowls of wok. Like they had this, Mm -hmm. this, uh stand called intentional walk which great pun but also Mm -hmm. not a good ballpark food like i can't imagine eating anything cooked in a walk at a ballpark like i don't want a fork at a ballpark i just can't i'm gonna drop it somehow and then i'm gonna eat whatever the hell's on the ground
1: Um, yeah yeah i I remember i went out and it's probably it was probably oh nine it's the only time i've ever been to that stadium and everyone said we had to get the ichi roll and i did and it was great i'm a big at the ballpark advocate but
2: like yeah lived up to the hype it's great. I mean, look, it's, Seattle's Seattle had to do a lot of stuff to get people in the ballpark for a long time because the team since 2001 has not been good. So you you got to you got to innovate. You got to bring in puns, you got to bring in food. You got to do everything you can to get as many people in that ballpark as possible. Um yeah. but it was I mean, it it's it's still one of my favorite ballparks. I mean, it's so fun to go to. I I had so many great memories of going there. Um Yeah, and I can't wait to go back. I I'm very excited to go back uh next season because I'm not I'm not going to be going back I don't think anytime soon. I don't think I can afford it. So we'll yeah. see if, if I can.
1: <laughs> uh, well, I'll wrap this up. Uh, obviously, you, you want to talk about mean fans. You've got some of the meanest possible fans on the way for this upcoming postseason series. Uh, I think all of us are united in our desire to get the Houston Astros extremely far away from this entire tournament league yep. uh, sport. Uh, what are sort of your hopes and expectations for for this series, which is, uh, we haven't had a clear good versus evil series in the baseball playoffs in, uh, I don't know, a thousand years since the inception. A while. Yeah. It yeah, feels like it's always been the same
2: four teams at the end all the time. And now it yeah. feels like we've got a We've got a real underdog, a David versus Goliath for sure. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so what's sort of your, how are you entering this series level of belief
2: wise and sort of, what are you hoping for here? Well, you know, I'm hoping to sweep them, uh, but I, I don't know if that's going to happen. Um you know, I, I, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm very nervous about Verlander. I mean, they've got that, that team is so good, and you know, like, I don't know, it, it's just insane that they took away those the garbage can rule, the, all the garbage cans, and all the cheating stuff, and they're still good. Like, it just, yeah. it's really annoying that that, that they're still. It, it's infuriating. Really yeah. good. It's really infuriating. Um, you know, I what I would really like though, I would, I mean, I would love to win this. I mean, I would. I would just I I mean, I I know every Mariners fan is saying I would love to win this, but like these guys always have our number. It seems like the Astros do. And like they really just rub me the wrong way. So like if we can somehow pull it out, I, you know, I'd love to sweep them if we can do it. And if we can just win, I don't even care, honestly, if it comes down to game five and we win in these chaos situations, that would be great. But I do feel like these guys, I mean, the Astros got it down to get rid of chaos to a science to a degree that they Mm. could tell each other which pitches were coming. Like they know how to control chaos. That's what they do. And that that's, that takes away our advantage, which is that we're just chaotic. And so like, I am a little worried about what's going to happen. Um, I will always say, you know, when we when that the the scandal started happening and all the leaks started happening, and there was that one that one rumor that Altuve had a um, a buzzer on his on his chest, right, mm-hmm. because of the thing. Yeah. I misread that, and I read that his buzzer was on his nipple, and I don't know why I read that. <laughs> and about a year later, I was talking to some friends. I'm like, "Well, Altuve's got those nipple things," and everyone's like, "What the fuck are you talking <laughs> about?" And I was like, "You know, he's got the buzzers on his nipples." So they're like. No one ever said there were buzzers on his nipples, Drew. You <laughs> made that up. And I was like, oh, I guess I read chest and I automatically assumed he would put them on his nipples. Yeah, where else I guess did that's they just, go? Yeah. Yeah. That's of... just a weird little the little sex freak in me. He was like, Yeah, he's got to put them on his nipples. Like, that's that's <laughs> the way to get the buzz. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I just want to win so bad. But at, at the very least, the my uh, my true honest to God dream. Is I just want to win Game Three at home so we can at least have two games in Seattle. Like I, I want the fans of Seattle to have that, and I want the kids who like have to skip like even that like that first game is on Saturday. I don't know if the next one is Sunday or if it's Monday. Oh, no, um, if, if the schedule is all so bad. I don't. It's know. all over the place. Yeah, and also all these games are at twelve thirty. Yeah. So like, I want. I would love it if we could somehow have a home game during school so that mm-hmm. children this day and age can get pulled out of school by their parents and taken to the ballpark to skip school and little nerdy kids who are worried. It's going to like affect their, their life trajectory. If they miss a day of school can get taken out of school to go watch this game. Cause it will be, it will be a game that you will remember for the rest of your life. And like my friends who got to do that the last time we went to the ALDS, like they got pulled out of school. One of them almost got kicked out of a play. Uh, for doing it that I was in. And I, I remember being like, where are they? <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and then when I found out, like now looking back, I'm like, they were smart to do that. Um, I just hope that we can have a game more than one game at home so that the fans of Seattle can actually go watch it. And that the new young Mariners fans can like really soak it in as much as possible. That's, yeah. that's my real goal.
1: I hope so too. The first year, the Julio era, uh, I'm definitely ready. I hope you're right. Um drew thanks so much for joining um i can't wait for the series can't wait for you know i love the playoffs for a million reasons but this is an all-new reason to love them uh and i can't wait to see how this turns out uh
2: anything you'd like to plug sure yeah uh uh i just released a, a short film that was on short of the week it's called the runner um you can check it out on uh my website uh drew that's d-r-u-j-o-h-n-s-t-o-n i joke that both of my names are misspelled uh so yeah drew uh yeah and the the short the runner uh it was a a pickup short of the week a few weeks ago and i'm very proud of it and it's about uh it's about my journey getting into running and uh uh yeah and why we run uh, i've been running for a long time i've run a few marathons i love it but I don't look like I should be running. I am <laughs> I am always going to be a little bit of a big dumper looking kind of guy. I do not look like I should be running marathons. Uh, but that's kind of what this short is about. And um, uh, I would really appreciate if you checked it out. Awesome. And and also the play you were
1: in last time the Mariners in the ALDS. So you got to check
2: that out. Oh, yeah. You got to go check out. I think it's a, I think it might be it, it was either. Um, What was it? 2001. It might have been uh, a funny thing happened away to the forum mm-hmm. or Maybe it was black comedy, which is like a British farce. It was something like that. (laughs) Go check it out at Skyline High School.
1: Yeah, either way, make the pilgrimage. Uh, Drew, thanks so much for joining, man. Thanks so much, Adam. Drew Johnston, everybody. Everybody's got an athlete. They pissed off when they were like 12. Joe Carter's a pretty good one. And now my final flame. With the St. Louis Cardinals' elimination from the playoffs at the hands of the Philadelphia Phillies, the best fans in baseball were forced to say goodbye to Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina. And so were Cardinals fans. Pujols' return to St. Louis this season was nothing short of magical. And Molina's final season in Redbird Red was nothing short of complete. Once washed up and looking lost in Anaheim, Pujols relearned to love the game in Los Angeles last season, then chased into past history this September. Once washed up and looking lost in the Cards dugout, Yadier Molina also participated in this season. But when late summer turned to autumn, Pujols' magic was gone. And so was Molina's when late summer turned to autumn, like 2018. Never again will these legends of the fall share a dugout, but someday, they'll both share a wall at the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, and one of them will deserve it. Even as a 42-year-old Pujols' bat was whipped quick against any left-hander whose breaking ball caught too much of the plate and captured our attention. And even as a 40-year-old, Molina still had a cannon, ball for a stomach, and he was kind of okay if you squinted. But without them, baseball won't be the same. It'll probably be net better by a little bit. My thanks to Drew Johnston. We'll see you next week.